morning, good afternoon, and good evening to wherever you are tuning in from around the world. I am Narda Goodson, your host. I hope you have your coffee or your tea because today we are going to talk about Jonah. And I know you've heard the story of Jonah. Many of you have. And you'd be surprised. There are many people who have not heard about Jonah. They don't know who Jonah is. And so for today's lesson, uh, I, I'd like to share um, with you what God has laid on my heart. And it is taken from the book of Jonah, chapter 1 through 4. One of the most historical, one of the most fascinating books of the Bible is the book of Jonah. And for centuries, the story of Jonah and the belly of the fish, it's become a part of literature. It's, it, it, it has become a part of mythical legendary tales and fables that are told around the world. And this story has become a well-known reference to being a jinx or a Jonah which in superstition belief is known as, you, you've heard about it, a bad luck charm. You know, you're, you're, you, you're jinxing us. You're, you're a bad luck. You're bringing us bad luck. So many worldly perspectives have actually obscured uh, the true message of this ancient yet popular story given to us in scripture. The psalmist wrote, where could I go? And to where could I run that your eyes are not hidden? And some of us know the story all too well. The prophet Jonah, you know, brother Jonah was running away from the mission God had personally assigned to him. You see, brother Jonah intentionally, purposely takes a ship going in the complete opposite direction in hopes that he can avoid the call to Nineveh. But who knows that when God calls you, he doesn't change his mind. Isn't it amazing that when we are in rebellion against God, you know, when we're running away from the Lord, when we're walking in disobedience, the enemy happens to place everything we think we need right in front of us. But one thing about Brother Jonah is that at least, you know, when he was running away and, and, and decided to board the ship, he didn't sneak into the ship as a secret stowaway. He didn't uh, steal from the owners. He didn't steal a seat or, you know, he, he paid his fare. So he may have been rebellious, but at least he paid his fare, right? Okay, let's go to uh, Jonah 1 and verse 3. And it reads, And so he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. You see, we need to stop pretending. Walking in rebellion is an intentional act. Rebellion will lead you away from the presence of God. And you know, when we choose to walk in rebellion, let's not pretend. When we choose, because it's a choice, we know exactly what we are doing and who we are doing it with, right? And in verse 4, it reads, Then the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship was in danger of breaking apart. So this was intense, guys. The sailors were afraid. You see, rebellion opens the door to disaster. And, and the Bible tells us in, in verse 5 that the sailors, they, the sailors, they began to panic and they began to cry out to his own God. And they threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. But check this out. 
the one who had caused all the trouble. He had gone down to the lowest part of the ship where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. For the sake of time, I'm not going to be able to touch every detail of, of this incredible story. So, But I want to focus on where Jonah is found. And this was in the lowest part of the vessel. And this is important because in order to connect the idea God is trying to convey to us, we must first understand what is this lowest part of the vessel, you know, and, and what, can we found, what, can, what can be found there, right? So a little researching, and I found that there are several things to be found in the lowest part of the ship. We can find the engine, we find fuel tanks, there's the boilers, and also bilges. And I'm going to focus on the engine and the bilge. An engine is a machine with moving part that converts power into motion. I'm going to repeat that. An engine is a machine... It's an apparatus, a contraption, a device that has moving parts that converts power into motion, into movement, okay? Shifting, stirring. The engine room, now let's talk about the engine room. The engine room is a place of power. But if the engine is broken, all movement on the ship, all move, movement on a plane, all movement in a car will cease, so the engine room is a very special place. The engine room is like our hearts. If our heart is not right, if our heart is not beating to the right rhythm, if the heart is not fueled with his word, if the heart is not oiled with his grace, everything about us, our ministry, our calling, our virtue, our influence will eventually come to a halt. So the ferocious storm that the Lord sent against the ship was a direct result that stemmed from Jonah's disobedience. That even those that were on the boat that had nothing to do with Jonah are now threatened by this great storm. You see, this disobedience will cause a shift. It caused a physical manifestation. You see, saints of God, let me tell you, disobedience doesn't only affect you and me. It will affect everything and those around us. Disobedience is an action. It is a failure or refusal to obey rules or someone in authority. Proverbs chapter 1. Let's, let's read what Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 23 says. If you turn at my reproof, Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Now, let's talk about the bilge real quick. The bilge is a very grimy, it's a nasty space between the deck plates where you will find uh, sludge, fishy, smelly seawater. You will find um, fuel and oil and, and even cigarette butts. And it is said that a trip to the bilge was often used as a means of punishment to petty officers for minor offenses. Luke 12, 47 says, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But the one not having known, but having done things worthy of stripes, will be beaten with few. 
And everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from him to whom much has been committed, more will they ask of him. You see, the book of Jonah isn't the only place that Jonah is mentioned in the Bible. He is mentioned in 2 Kings as a historical prophet who, who ministered to the Israelites in the days of Jeroboam. And in Matthew 12:40, Yeshua mentions him and says, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. With this point of reference from the Messiah, we know that Jonah was not a fictitious character but indeed a genuine person placed on God's historical timeline. His life serves as an example and a reminder to us that we cannot hide from God. We cannot hide um, from our naughty behavior uh, to our secret thought life, to private conversations, to the very core of things in our heart. It is all open before the Lord. So when we think about the life that centers around the book of Jonah, it is more than fish belly in a ship, okay? Because there is something more that meets the eye hidden in this fascinating story. In the second chapter is where we find Jonah praying and asking God to, you know, to get him out of the belly of the fish. Then we see that the fish is sick. He has a horrible belly ache and so he vomits Jonah up on the land. And in chapter 3, we are told that the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. And this is what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Who is God calling a second time? And he said, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. What message has God has given you? That he's asking you a second time. Get up. Verse 3 says, this time Jonah got up and went to Nineveh in accordance with the word of the Lord. Who is God calling a second time? Or a third. Maybe this is your fourth. Hebrews 3.14 says, we have come to share in the Messiah if we hold firmly to the end the assurance we had at first. As it has been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As you did in the rebellion. For who were the ones who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? So what is God saying to us? If you hear his voice today. If you're hearing his voice right now through this message. Do not harden your heart. In other words, do not turn yourself away from this word. You see, God has not changed his mind about Jonah. Jonah's purpose had not changed one bit. But what happened to Jonah is what finally changed the prophet's mind. Now hear me, beloved. Even though we finally see Jonah arising to obey on the outside, right? There is something buried deep within him on the inside. And it's not good people of God. And it isn't until we actually read chapter 4 that the real reason for his disobedience is revealed. Have you ever asked yourself, why did Jonah originally refuse to go to Nineveh? Why did he straight out rebel against the Lord the way he did? You see, Jonah had a terrible heart condition. Jonah was good at being honest when he told the men, listen, cast me into the sea, throw me overboard. He fessed up. He was faithful. He was truthful. You know, he was even honest with God. 
But the real reason Jonah avoided going to Nineveh, now listen to this, was because he had hate harboring in his heart against the very people God was sending him to. So fast forwarding, fast forwarding, sorry. Jonah preaches to the people, right? He finally he gets up and he does what God tells him to do. He tells them that, listen, in 40 days, the city of Nineveh is going to be overthrown. But as he delivers the message, the entire city repents. The entire city repents. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God repented of the evil of the evil which he had said he would do to them. And so he changed his mind about destroying the city of Nineveh. So the city now gets spared, right? Now let's read Jonah's attitude in chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Jonah, however, was greatly displeased because he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord saying, Oh Lord, this is not what I, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Before I even left, I'm paraphrasing now, before I even left on this mission, look, I I knew this, this is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. This is why I, I didn't even want to go. This is why I went in the opposite direction because I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God. You are slow to anger. You are always abounding in loving devotion. It just makes me sick. Paraphrasing again. God, you are one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, you know what? Just just take my life from me because it's better for me to die than to live. I, I, I just can't deal with this. Jonah wanted the prophecy to come to pass. He wanted to see the city destroyed. You see, what you may not know about the Ninevites. Now, let me tell you about the, the Ninevites. They were a bloody, ruthless and raiding people. In the ancient world, they held the record for the bloodiest and most vicious kinds of torture. They were a cruel people. They were wickedly creative, listen to me, in in, in creating or inventing horrific ways to torture people more than any other nation that has ever lived. But Jonah knew that if the people repented, God would retract his sentence and have mercy upon them. As evil and wicked as they were. Who are we hating and despising so much today that we are denying them God's mercy? Who are we wishing to be destroyed because we have filled our hearts with so much hate against them? Listen, people of God, despite how bad these people were, God loved the Ninevites, even though Jonah hated them. And the tendency to behave just like Jonah is very real today. And so I pray that if there is any Jonah hating spirit among us, that the light of the Holy Spirit exposes it to us so that we can kill it. So that we can kill it with the God kind of love. Because these are the very people God is sending us to share the gospel. 
In closing, I want to share a dream the Lord gave me. I woke up at around three o'clock in the morning one day and I saw in a dream a long corridor. Its walls were made of bones and the stench of the air was foul. I could see a person, whether male or female, I don't know. But I could see this person walking, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to make his way to what appeared, you know, his way out. He was trying to find his way out. He held to the wall as a blind man would without his walking stick. As the person continued to carefully ease across, I could see him stumble as he held his hands across the wall for support and to keep him from falling. For the darkness that pierced the corridor that was in view was extremely dark. There was no lighting that I could see. The only light that could be seen was from my vision, which was given me for the purpose of viewing what was unfolding before me. As I continued to watch the struggle, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, many of my people are in this place. And so I asked the Lord, well, what is this place? He answers me and says, they are wandering through the belly of the fish in disobedience. They are in a state of confusion and perplexity and, and they're asking me why. Why am I here? Why can I not find my way out? Then the Spirit of the Lord spoke again and said, Disobedience has locked my people into this place. Their unwillingness to put down that which I have asked them to, to has kept them away from, from walking in the center of my perfect will. And so like blind men, they continue to walk with no vision. They are walking in the sin of omission, for they have refused to do what I have required and requested of them. This is the reason for the darkness they are experiencing and the things which, and then things will not change until they begin to walk in total obedience. As I saw many others walking, because there were more, I noticed that they were each holding on to these walls. And they were using them as guides because they too could not see to find their way out. Then I beheld that the wall was made out of bones, fish bones. And the very wall that the people were using as a guide and for stability was the very thing cutting and bruising their hands. And then this is what was then revealed. Your hands and feet are powerful because it is with your hands that God gives the ability to do, good, to do good works. Your eyes provide ability to see so that you can know where you are going. But the walls of your disobedience eat away at your influence, your insight, and your ability to walk, to work, and produce. Disobedience causes blindness. It will cut you. It will bruise you and cause you to become dysfunctional. Disobedience keeps you locked up and a, and a prisoner in darkness like Jonah, whose disobedience landed him in the belly of the fish for three days. And until we repent for the disobedience, and until we begin to move forward in that which God has called us to do, we will continue to dwell among that which decays, deteriorates, and decomposes. So he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to his people.
I don't ever want to close this program without extending an invitation to pray for anyone who does not know Yeshua as Lord. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Friend, I want you to know that tomorrow is not promised to you and it is not promised to me. And like many traveling through life, we have all gone through things. We have all been in storms. We have all experienced pain. We have all experienced disappointment and disappointment and, and sadness. But I want you to know that God the Father loves you and he has a plan for your life as the word went forth today. Oh, you are been you have been a seed planted into your mother's womb. And God has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. But it is our sins. You see, it's our rebellion against God and his word that will keep us separated from him, friends. But Yeshua is calling you. He's saying, come. He says, come all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, I am the door to the Father. No man can come to the Father in heaven except they come through me. The Bible says, you must be born again and you must repent and be baptized for the remissions of your sins. You see, salvation, forgiveness of sins and eternal life is a gift that is made available to anyone who repents, anyone who believes and confesses that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord and that he died and rose from the dead to save mankind. You see, this gift cannot be earned. It cannot be bought by simply being good. It is a matter of faith and trust in a loving Savior. If you would like to receive Yeshua into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son Yeshua. Your word says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on you right now. I am calling on you today. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash and cleanse me in your blood. I ask you, Lord Jesus, Yeshua, to come into my heart and be Lord over my life. And according to your word, I now confess with my mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I confess and declare that Yeshua is Lord of my life. I thank you for the gift of salvation through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And by faith, I now receive this gift of eternal life. In Yeshua's name, I am saved. Amen and amen. If you have prayed this prayer with your whole heart, I want to welcome you into the family of God. This is the beginning of a new journey, a new you. God has now redirected your ship of life, but you will need discipleship. You will need to be baptized and fellowship with other believers so you can grow and learn more about God and his word. Amen. We would love to connect with you. If you don't have a home church and you live in the Grayson County, North Texas region, I recommend to you God's House of Faith and Worship Center located at 320 North Travis Street in Denison, Texas, and where uh, Dwight Thomas is the senior pastor. And this is a biblically sound ministry that I love. 
Please use the contact links on our social media pages or website to let us know your testimony and how this ministry has influenced your life. To learn more, please visit nardagoodson.com. That's www.nardagoodson.com. Thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries Teaching Broadcast. I am Narda Goodson, your host. Be sure to tune in next week, same time, same place, for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying, anointed Word of God, where Yeshua is Lord, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Shalom. Welcome to My Daily Portion, where we take five minutes of our time to meditate and memorize God's Word. Psalm chapter 1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in his season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish.
chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in his season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Chapter 1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful.